Welcome to episode three of the the Welcome to Winterfell podcast, the unofficial official podcast of of A Game of Thrones. Um, this this show is a member of the uh, Screeching Dog Network, which you can find as at screechingdog.com. With me is our master motivator and Game of Thrones expert, Dwayne. Say hi. Hello. And as always is our mascot, Rachel. Hi, guys. Uh, we have just finished watching uh, season four, episode two of the Game of Thrones, which was I've been waiting about mm, two and a half seasons to see. Yeah, I believe that everybody who is familiar with the books has been waiting to for this right here. In fact, I read that uh, the makers of Game of Thrones uh, took book three, and this is the reason why they actually made the show, was so that they could do the red and purple uh, weddings. That's what I've heard. Um, but it was a very interesting show um we'll go through it in order of what happened um unfortunately this is one thing that i was not very happy about was that they actually brought back the stannis storyline um i was hoping that that one there would go away by the wayside but we had to go through it any anyway just kind of have to power through all that crap well, I'm hoping that eventually it will actually, you know, pick up and show us so- something. But um, I think that, that that's going to be a long way down the road. Um, what did everybody else think about that storyline? Are you happy that is back? Are you pissed off or what? Eh, I'm not, I can't say that I'm happy that it's back. Um it's kind of nice seeing, you know, what's going on with these other characters. But really what I liked was seeing Theon again. Yes, yeah, he's a completely different person from the arrogant fucker that he was before to uh, Reek. Yeah, mm. yeah, he's completely mentally broken at this point. Um, did you think that when he was uh, shaving... Mr. Snow, when he found out that Rob was dead, that he was actually going to no slit no slit his throat, or that he was going to uh, just be reek and just continue to serve, or do you think that he's no, or that he's biding his time? I was kind of, huh? Well, I was really hoping to see like him at least nick him with the razor a little bit just to see how that master-servant relationship would play out on screen. Right. Um, you know, if he, what happens when, the, when Reek screws up? Does, is it anything like, does he, is he punished? Is he, he lose a finger if, you, if he nicks him, you know, something like that. Well, you know that he's not going to be killed because his father doesn't, does not want that. Yeah. But do you think that uh, that uh, Mr. Snow, as I like to call him, because he's a 
freaking prick, Ramsey. Do you think that uh, he's just crazy enough to actually disobey his father and eventually kill this kid? Mm. I think he, yeah, he's he's crazy, but I don't think he's stupid. Because, I mean, the, uh, whatever his name is, you can never remember characters' names on the show. That's um, a, And that's a problem, is that there are so many characters. Yeah. Uh, his, his dad, a um, you know, he was he was like one of the advisors to the Starks, you know, at least as far as the war was concerned. So, you know, mm-hmm. he seems he he's got some power, if nothing else. Um, I don't see uh, Snow really going against that. Because well, he's he's got the power that he's got, and he's already shown that he you know he's disappointed in him, which is just awful. Disappoint your father, and he'll just lay it out there on you. But you know, mm-hmm. well, what do you think, Rachel? About what we were talking about. About the fact that Ramsey Snow, the basher son of Roos, how do you think that he's crazy enough to disobey his father? Because, I mean, he's pretty much just telling his father, what are you going to do to me? I mean, he he's pretty much doing whatever. He is running a rough shot over the a dread fort and, you know, and is openly just jerking his father a, a around. Do you think that he's crazy enough to actually... Did disobey and kill Theon. Well, to be honest with you, I don't think he's crazy. I think he's doing what he learned to do. I mean, I think this is just as right as rain for this guy. It's, it's, it's a learned thing for him. It's not like he just one day snapped and said, I'm going to go kill this guy or I'm going to torture this guy or whatever. This is something that he's always been exposed to or he's always done or um, he's doing it to impress his dad. No, I don't think he'll just go off and kill. Because here's the deal. I think he enjoys it too much. Well, yeah. Well, he is very sadistic. And according, and Dwayne would know more about this because he is, he's never read the books, but he likes to move ahead. Um. And from what I understand, the Boltons are very well known to be the house that loves to torture. That they are experts in mental and physical torture. Is that right? That was kind of alluded to tonight, too, but I'll let Dwayne answer that. Yeah, but, you know, they did allude to that. You know, we've been, what what was the term he used? Um, Flogging? No, it wasn't flogging. It was, we've been blocked. Yeah. Flaying. Yes, that was the way for so many years since, you know, so. A, I'll, but I'll a let thousand Dwayne years, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that was alluded to tonight. But go ahead. And what was the question again? I don't even remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talking about. Talking about how the Boltons are, that their house is very well known for torture, both mental oh, and right. physical. Right, yeah, they... They kind of cornered the market on torture as far as uh, the North was concerned. Um, 
and they they really enjoyed it. They're kind of sociopaths, and they they enjoy as much as a sociopath can enjoy anything. They enjoy and you know inflicting pain on other people and hearing their screams and you know seeing the blood and the gore. They enjoy it. Don't you want to be a a part of that glorious family? Oh, um, of course. Okay, so how many of us actually feel sorry for a Theon now? I mean, because he was a dick from day one. He was arrogant. You know, he walked around thinking that his dick was better than, you know, everybody else's. And then as soon as he head back home, his life takes a turn for the worse. But he was still an arrogant fuck, no, a fucker. He went and sacked Winterfell. Are we starting to feel sorry for him, or are we just like, this is what you deserve? Well, I personally started feeling sorry for him right about the time uh, Snow started cutting into his hand, and he said, I'll stop after you tell me to take your finger. Yes. That was right about the time, because, I, I mean, you think about how much, you know, <laughs> that pain you would be in to tell somebody cut off my finger Mm -hmm. I mean that's you know that would just be astronomical and And not to take and not only that but just the just the mental toll that it takes because you're sitting there saying cut off my finger I mean you just got broken by then yeah you know he's one of those interesting characters because you at first you feel sorry like at first you hate him it's kind of like Jamie really at first you hate him and then you feel sorry for him and then you go wow okay yeah you know and in Jamie's case you end up liking him and i don't think it's it's moved beyond the stage of wow this is sad stage yes. to be on yet yeah, it's it's almost like that these two are polar op- opposites where, you know, Theon is a coward and he is redeemed through pity and then Jamie who's, you know, brave and he is redeemed through his honor which you didn't think that he actually had. Right. Um and then and suddenly they are likable characters but uh, but at different, you know, ends of the uh, of the uh, spectrum. Right. You know, Jamie started out, you know, it's like the first episode we see him push uh, Bran out of that tower, and you're sitting there going, how could you do that to a little kid? Yeah, after he was fucking his sister. Right. And, (laughs) you know, you actually find out what his code is, and, you know, you kind of got to respect that, because his code is his own. Right. It's not... Code of honor that respects any particular god, any particular king. He says, My honor is my own. My code is my own. Right. And I will not break this code because it's mine. It doesn't it may be a little bit skewed, else. It's mine. but it's mine. Right. Well, um, Rachel, do you feel sorry for, for Theon or, or do you think that he's just getting his just desserts? I think I made it abundantly clear first episode or two about how I feel about Theon. I... 
You just cannot stand the man. <laughs> you know, he's he's an asshole, but he's a man, and and I love men. I gave birth to two of them, and for him to have lost his penis, oh my god. Well, I don't think that it's the oh fact that. Oh my god. I mean, there are several people in the show that don't that have lost either the balls or or their penis, but it's the way that he lost it. Right. That was wrong. Yeah, it was. It was, it was just pitiful. Cause I, you know, I think about Theon. I think Theon was just a very complex character that was extremely naive, and that's the reason why he was as arrogant as he was. I th- well, you know, could, could I, the I, fact that he that he that he's wanted to prove himself, but yeah, he, he yeah, the, uh, the proper way of going about to uh, do it. Absolutely, he did. I mean, you know, people that are extremely arrogant typically are um, just very unlearned. You know, you spend a few years on this planet. Or, in this case, an imaginary planet. But you spend a few years on this planet with people. And after a while, you don't have any reason to be arrogant. Every bit of your arrogance that you might have carried around in your youth right. to, you know, protect you or try to um, make your your stake or stake your claim in this world, yeah, it kind of goes out the door. And I, I really think that was Theon's thing. I think he was really just... Very naive and very clueless. And, you know, yeah, so I do feel sorry for him. I really do, because he's a broken man. And nobody's any good if they're broken. That's, yeah, that's true. Um, so we see that um, Bruce has told his bastard son, Ramsey, to take what to take what men that that he can muster and go after the uh, Greyjoys. Um, personally, I think that they have no chance of taking the uh, Greyjoys because they are battle-hardened, you know, folk. And I think that Bruce has pretty much sent uh, uh, Ramsey to his death, but do you think that that's what he is intending to do in order to get this this psycho out of his hair? Or do you think that he actually thinks that Ramsey can, you know, take it? Well, I think Ramsey probably could take it as far as taking the Iron Islands themselves. I don't think so. I mean, you look back at history, I mean, Iwo Jima in World War II was a hell of a, that was a hell mm-hmm. of a campaign. Um, yeah. You know, taking, taking islands is, militarily speaking, a very very difficult thing to do right so he i mean i think he has about as good a chance as anything else to take uh what do they call it the the more more something yes um uh, and it's, it, it's called the emote the emote moat that's yeah. it um so I, I think he probably could take it but as far as taking the fight directly to the Greyjoys, no, no, well, not I don't, a little bit. I don't think that the Boltons. I mean, because at the Red Wedding, a significant portion of Rob's army was destroyed. Correct. Yes. So he wouldn't have the manpower to take the fight to anybody because it it it, it was pretty laid out that uh, Tywin said. Uh, 
you're not going to get any help from us if you want if you if you want to have the north then you have to take it right so maybe there's a little because that's when they also find out that the two that the two remaining um, Stark boys, Bran and Rickon, are still a alive, and they were like, "Well, if they are still alive, then the people will rally behind them because they are Starks." Right, and plus they have Hodor on their side, so Hodor, Hodor just, is a bad just, motherfucker. Yeah, he'll just kill any army they send at him. And... <laughs> um. And I laugh the whole time he's doing it. Saying, Hodor. Hodor. <laughs> um, then we move on to the celebratory breakfast of Joffrey and Marjorie's wedding, where they are receiving gifts. Um, Varys tells no, Tyrion that Cersei knows about Shay. And we know that Tywin says that if you that if he finds a whore in in his bed that she'll be killed or hanged or whatever. And, um, which we, which we already knew about last ep, ep, episode, but, uh, Tyrion finds out that, you know, daddy, that daddy knows. Mm-hmm. And he tries to come up with a plan to spirit her away, but he knows that she will not leave, that she is not afraid of anything. So, he calls her a whore and tell her that he doesn't uh, uh, love her and says that she's been with five, you no, know, five thousand men. Just tries to, you know, break her heart. Right, trying to get her to 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 want to leave. And that was a hard scene to watch because you can just see a Tyrion just saying all these cruel things, but he could not look at her in the eye. Right, because he's it, it breaks his heart to be in a situation where he has to break hers mm-hmm. to get her to leave. What do you say, Rachel? You need to speak up some more. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just enjoying listening to you guys. <laughs> Especially when this guy is talking about romance stuff. It's kind of cool, but I, you know, I, I thought it was a very, it was a very difficult scene to watch because Tyrion was obviously in a lot of pain. And you even said that, Mark, when we were watching it, you were like, wow, he's, he's hurting. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, he did what he had to do to save her life. And I, you know, he ignored his own pain to make sure that she survived, which was very gallant, in my opinion. And, I, of course, I love him to death anyway. I want to see more Tyrion. Well, I'll be honest. I really, I don't like the Shay character. Um, I really, because I, because I know that in the books, because it's just common knowledge if you, I actually looked this stuff up that in the book, Shay doesn't really care that Tyrion marries a Sansa. She just don't care because you no, know, she's a whore. And I and I just think that this that in the show that the Shay character is awfully bitchy. I mean, she's trying to screw things up for a lot for a lot of people because I mean she's Shay. Um, that obnoxious accent doesn't help any. Yeah, and it also doesn't help that in that in reality that Shay is played by a a German porn 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 star. Um, that's very interesting. But um, and so I'm kind of happy that the Shay character might be leaving. I don't think that she's gone. I think that 
a Tywin managed to keep her from getting on the ship and is going to do some very bad things to to her. What what do you guys think? Do you think that she's screwed or that she's safe? I think it was way too easy, you know, for her to be gone after, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think something will come back up with her, you know, just to. And I think what will happen is that will be the tur- turning point for Tyrion and he'll grow a pair. And he'll go, you know what? Enough. I'm not mm-hmm. taking anybody else's bullshit anymore because he's been a, a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker. You know, not somebody that says, okay, yeah, we're going to have some peace, but we're going to have some peace after I take control of some things and set your people straight. He's been doing anything and everything, just lie low and not ruffle any feathers. And she's been very and, in, in everybody's face. <laughs> lie yeah, low. And it's, yeah. But I, <laughs> I think it's because Shay's naive anyway. I do too. I, I mean, I, I I think that about her too. That she's very naive. What do you say? Hmm. I think, like, yeah, she she is kind of a an annoying character, but it was a little too easy, and they kind of brushed it off when Braun came up and he says, "Yeah, I, I promise. Yeah, she left. She's gone." Everything's yeah. fine. Everything's good. And then it stopped right there, which leads me to believe that it's probably not the end of that, because if it was, we would see her getting on the boat. We mm-hmm. would, you know, and by next episode, we would see her, you know, settling down in this new place, which I'm going to make a prediction, that ain't the case. Right. Well, we will, I, I believe that we'll see it sooner than later. I think that next episode will probably be the the climax of that Shay storyline. I think because uh, we can't talk about now because that'll be later on in the show, but some things happen. I think that a certain major character is screwed. But um, then we move on to um, the where gifts are being given to King Joffrey. And one of those was a very rare book, very large book that, you know, talking about the lives of, of four great kings, which, you know, Tyron says that the king would probably should read because he needs the wisdom. And for a brief moment, you think that Joffrey was actually being uh, genuine because he goes, yes, the king does need no uh, wisdom. And then his father, no, then Tywin, uh, his his grandfather, presents him with the other sword that was made from ice, the Valerian steel sword. And he takes that big-ass sword and starts hacking the book to uh, pieces. And then you're like, yeah, that's the same old Joffrey. Right. And, and you yes. know, J- Joffrey's like a 14-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. What 14-year-old kid needs wisdom? Yeah, because I mean, they know everything. Yeah, you know, you, you just take that book and... Damn, yeah. child, I wish you'd had this head on you when you were 14. Sorry, yeah, it's no a mom kid. note. <laughs> it's a mom note, sorry. You, you know, he... uh he shows that, you know, he's really probably the most arrogant character in the show. Mm-hmm. Just by that, saying, I don't need 
the wisdom of the ages. You know, mm-hmm. this, all I need is the sword. You know, solve the problems with violence. Well, and, and he, just just look at how he just just look at how arrogant he is by the name that he picked for the sword, the uh, widow's whale. Yeah, I mean, and then he and then he referred to this to the same that is the same steel that cut off Ned's head, and mm-hmm. you see Sansa going, "Oh, you son bitch." Oh yeah, yeah that that whole series of events. I'm glad they they spent a lot of time with that camera pointed on her. Mm-hmm. Because that, you know, every single time that any of the Starks were referenced, it always pointed at her. You could see the pain on her face. Yeah, I think that this That's, right here is the best you know, the that thing... we have seen the Sanja a, a, a character. I mean, she's a- acted fantastic. Especially in this episode, because she didn't have very, 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 I mean, lines, but she had a lot of screen time. And just a look on the looks that she would have were just fan, were just fantastic. Wasn't it yeah. last week, though, we were talking about Arya, and somebody said that they thought she was a sociopath or a psychopath because she was yeah. killing these people. I and that. I said that, you know, Arya <laughs> has the heart of a warrior, you know, because she goes in and she says, I'm going to take revenge. I'm going to get my vengeance. And she relishes every minute of it. And I believe she leaves her pain with that person for the most part. But Sansa, I think Sansa could be a sociopath. I think if this chick snaps, it's going to be really friggin' bloody. I really do. Because she has sat by and absorbed it and had no outlet for it. Unlike her sister, who goes, I'm going to fuck your day up, and then I'm going to walk away. Sansa has no outlet for it. She's the chick I'm worried about. I think Arya would be fine. Even though we didn't see her in this episode, she's going to be fine. She has the heart of a warrior. I think more of it, more of her anger and stuff is, is sloughed off than Sansa. Sansa I'm worried about. What do you say, Dwayne? Hmm. I think... Sansa's going to turn into probably one of, if not the most interesting characters in the show. Especially now that the uh, proceeding events happen. Yes, okay. I, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, I think that um, I still think that Arya is a it, it is a, a sociopath because, I mean, damn, she is enjoying killing these people way too much. But a sociopath but, is born. They're not made. Uh, yeah. No, really. They are. They're born I that know, way. They're but, not made that way. I mean, but you can get so fucked in the head. If they that, are made that way, it's when they're really, really, really young. Yeah, but she's really, really, really young. No, no, no. She's not <laughs> that young. I mean, she's like a teenager. You know, in the book, she's actually what, like nine? Is that right? Yeah, Dwayne? she's 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 uh she's preteen. Yeah. But see, sociopaths are born later than that. If they're if it's a learned response to neglect and or abuse, it's much, much earlier. We're talking about two years old, three years old, four years old, five years old. Not eleven, twelve, thirteen. 
By the, by the time a kid is 11, they don't have the maturity that they need to lead their lives. But the vast majority of their morals, their uh, concepts of right and wrong, all that's formed. So that's why I'm saying she is not a sociopath. And I, th- I don't think you'd call Sansa a sociopath if she snaps. I think you could say that she's well on her way to a mental break if she don't figure out an outlet for this. However, and I know you're going to get to this, Mark, but when you talk about you know, you know what happened in this episode, I think she, she realizes that she has much more of an ally in Tyrion than she ever thought. I think that kind of her eyes were open to that in this episode. Like, wow, he is put through some serious bullshit by this family, too. Just because he's blood-related doesn't mean that he's immune to it. So, you know, that might be her saving grace. Well, um, that's true. Um, I also think that Arya probably had that smile on her face after she slowly plunged that sword into the guy's throat. Yeah, that was a very uncomfortable scene right there. Yeah, I think she, because of her, that list that she had, I think it was back in season two. And was he number two or three on that list? I can't remember exactly which one. I remember she was keeping the list to tell the, uh, the brotherhood guy, you know. Yes. Yeah. The uh, face changer guy. Yeah. You know, who she wanted dead. And then she needed, you know, those three people she needed to use those so that she could get away from the Lannisters. Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, she probably at some point gave up on the thought of revenge. And then she finally found it, you know, out in the wilderness in some little rinky-dink motel, right? pub, whatever you want to call it. And Well, don't forget the campfire that she walked up on and those people talking, bragging about how they killed her brother and how they sewed the head of that that wolf on his on his body, you know. Right. And I, I'm going to tell y'all, I don't, there was nothing to me uncomfortable about the scene where she slowly plunged that, that sword into that guy's throat. I relished every second of it because of what he put her through. I did. Sorry. I did. All right. That's <laughs> everybody's opinion. No, yeah, I loved it. Well, now, do we really want to talk about the Stannis storyline here or do we just want to skip over it? Because it didn't really serve to forward his storyline at all because the last time that we saw him he was about ready to march on the wall in order to stop the the uh white walkers but he hasn't left yet he's just burning pe- pe- people at the uh, stake so do we really uh, uh, really want to spend time on this or do we want to just move on i'm not really no. sure what that that scene what purpose that scene served i think it served to to illustrate just how much under that woman's power he is. I could see that. I mean, burning your brother-in-law alive. I mean, yeah. you know, brother-in-laws can be bastards, but you don't want to tie them to a wooden pole and set them on fire. Uh, no. No, um, you don't. Well, I just don't understand the entire point of that. I mean, why were they burning people at the stakes? What were they trying yeah, to that's, do? Uh, that's what I was trying to get at. Like, you know, the Lord of Light, you know, she describes him, the Red Lady describes him as, you know, the God of love and of, you know, all this kind peace. of Peace. Like, yeah, peace. And it's like, he requires burnt human sacrifices, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. And he also likes a pussy demon stew. So well, of course. Um, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. Well, I thought that I, that was. I thought that the pussy demon was was friggin' awesome, and I want to see more of it. So, but let's move on from that because it is off the. You just want to see more pussy. Period. That's well, what you. You didn't say. get to see her uh, her pussy because there was there was a pussy demon. Yeah, coming but it was implied, and all you had to do was go there in your mind. I know. Great, hey, great. how many I times? If the curtains match the drapes. <laughs> I don't know. The matches well, the curtains. What <laughs> I want to know is how often do you get to see a hot, I'm sure they don't. A hot redheaded chick give birth to a to a fucking demon. I mean, anyway, I digress. We move on to. Um, Brand, we actually get to see him for once, and the fact that his hair is getting a, a longer every time that that we see him. Um, he's having a groovy dream about um, his direwolf summer feasting on meat because Brand is is hungry, and after all, everybody there is hungry. And what I want to know is if he is a warg who can control. At like his a dire wolf, and he can control Hodor and all that stuff. Why don't he get Summer to bring some friggin' food back to the camp? Shh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> I mean, am I the only one that thought that you know thought that you know uh, thought this? That's that's where I thought the scene was going when he like, you know he, he takes down cow. the deer. And then, yeah. you know, kills the deer, and but it doesn't show him actually eating the deer. So I'm sitting there going, okay, they're using him to hunt stuff. Yeah. It's like, drop a deer, and it's like, oh, there's food. Mm. You know, you're going to fire an arrow. That would be the logical thing to do, wouldn't it? Say what? That would be the logical thing to do, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I guess that he just wanted to... I guess that he thought that if, you know, Summer ate, then he'd be full too. Or maybe he had a feeling of being full. And that he's not you no know, smart enough to say, "Hey, why don't you drag that damn thing back here?" Um, but any, anyway, um, they decide to continue, and they are Hodor's dragging him along, and they find Summer standing in front of a weirwood tree with a carved face on it, and Hodor does his thing and puts him in front of the tree, and Bran touches the tree, and he has a vision. And he sees things that happened in the in the past, and some things that are that have yet to happen. I think at one point he sees kings a landing from above with a shadow of a very large winged beast, and he and he comes out of it and says that they know where to go. Um, and for somehow the, the in his vision he hears a voice that says. Look for me in the tree north. Um, what do you think that this is all, all, all about? Where do you think that that they have to go? The voice, the north, the wicked beast. Let's let's hear some theories here. Well, of course, the north can can always mean Castle Black. Mm-hmm. Um, but aren't they more north than that now? Because they are beyond the wall, right? I don't think they've gotten to the wall yet. 
because he met with Maybe. Sam, and Sam told them the passage to get beyond the wall and gave him those, the knife and the and the and the glass arrowheads. Didn't they go north of the wall then? Hmm. I don't remember that specifically. Um, it's been a while since I saw the last season. Yes. Um, I need a, really need a refresher. Uh, but if they are beyond the wall, why is everything not just all white? What we have seen of beyond the wall is everything is covered in, you know, ice and snow. A foot of snow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and plus, with that tree, there was sunlight, you know, bath, bathing the uh, the you know tree, and that that's not what you would see of something from beyond the wall. Yeah, it seems kind of kind of cloudy and kind of uh, North Polish. Yeah. Um. Really, kind of everything's dead. You know, Does anybody know and... what is up with this friggin' three-eyed crow? I don't remember exactly what what it was supposed to be. I remember um, the wildling chick, whatever her name was, told uh, them that it was supposed to be like some kind of omen or something. Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly what she said, but, you know, could it could be the king of the crows. Well, maybe one of our Which, uh, listeners a, could like research there. that and post a comment about it. Yeah, they you could know. definitely do it on our on our Facebook page, um, you know, slash Screeching Dog, or go to our website, or just send us an email. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, we'll anything like that, that. At ScreechingDog.com. We would love to know, but we don't want any spoilers. No, not any spoilers or anything, but like, just an you know, this show has so many layers to it. You know, so many layers, and it, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's not what would be considered, like, um, fine literature in this country. However, it is written as that way. There's a lot of symbolism, and like Dwayne was talking about, you know, um, where they are right now, where everything seems dead. I mean, that's symbolic in some way. So, you know, anybody that has some insight, hey, we'd love to hear it. Because, I mean, we can talk about it on the next show. Well, am I the only one that, that thinks that the shadow that was going over um, the city and that vision was a dragon? No, I agree. It very well could be. Those yeah. dragons are getting pretty big. And they're yeah, getting to the they point are. to where they And I miss seeing them all. this episode. Really wanted to see Khaleesi. Really did. But anyway, yeah, I love me some dragons. Well, she has about 130 miles to march until she gets to the next town to free more slaves. And so. she'll never, ever have that confrontation with Joffrey that I wanted so badly. No, but, but she might have one with, with a Tywin. There you go. And what, boy, Tywin that be that, that That really helped them take the throne. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But Doing what he did? Yeah, he did. Daenerys didn't really have a beef with Joffrey. Um, what I really wanted to see, you know, was... Um, well, I'll leave that discussion for later. But yeah. 
<laughs> Were you about to give us a spoiler, Dwayne? Totally not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a call Let's go ahead and you go were there. about to give us a spoiler. Yes, you hey, are. Shut up. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to the main crux of the story, where we actually spent the yes. majority of of the show in one place, which is unusual for the show because it because it loves to skip around a, a mm-hmm. whole lot. But it is the wedding, and it is nicknamed the Purple Wedding. And I'm going to go ahead and say that because it, Dwayne had it right that it was purple. No, it's supposed to be the symbol of, you know, royal, royalty. Uh, Joffrey and Marjorie are finally married. And it was a very simple and very quick ceremony to the point to where Rachel was like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And they. A lot moved- of pomp and circumstance and pretense of love went. Everybody involved knew there was no love there. Well, I All love right. the conversation of with the that has with the uh, Queen of Thorns and Tywin as they discuss the cost of the uh, wedding and how Miss or Lady or whatever her name is Olena talks about the Iron Bank will habitage do. Right. That is a little hint right there that things may not be as they. You know, settled as Tywin thinks. Yeah, the <clears throat> the Iron Bank is they they don't they don't fuck around with 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 their debts. Oh no! You know, the Lannister always pays their debts, but when you owe half your money to a bank, well, there's not much you can you know you can't really give away half your riches. Well, yeah, okay, well, I have a question. Um, the debt that we know that uh, Tyrion says that the th- that, that the throne is in, is that just the throne's debt, you know, the kingdom's debt, or is that the Lannister's debt? Because I don't see Tywin wanting to give up money for anything. I think he was referring specifically to to Tywin's debt himself, um, because you know it's it, that the whole war. I mean, think about how many soldiers you have to pay. You know, the the logistical costs of that. Mm-hmm. There's no telling what has been going on behind the scenes to help Tywin pay for all that. Right. Well, I think that I think that the Queen of Thorns, she's a very maniacal and conniving woman because she's you know, not she, maniacal, she's shrewd. Well, you know, there is a difference. She I mean, she acts like she's to, got a freaking heart, you know. Well, but she also knows how to word things. And if you notice at the wedding feast when she was talking to Asanza, when she was giving her condolences about Rob and a Caitlin. She was fiddling with Santa's dress and her hair and was like, tisk tisk. You know, it, it is bad. It is bad manners for, you know, people to be killed at weddings. I mean, if that's not foreshadowing, that's what the hell is that? Yeah, I loved it when she said, you know, how awful it would be for a man to be killed at his own wedding. Yeah. I mean, and I loved it. So then we move on to Jeffrey is 
Joffrey is bored, um, and when he gets bored, people pretty much pay. Marjorie, who's I cannot put my finger on her, whether she's good or just as you know conniving as her grandmother is, but she gives a speech saying that the king has decreed that all the meals leftovers will go to the to the poor. And everybody's going, yay, yay, yay. But then later we we see uh, Cersei say, no, the queen says it'll be fed to the dogs. The real queen. Yeah. Um, what do we think about this? I mean, is Cersei going crazy? I don't think she's going crazy, but she's trying to hold on to what sliver of power she had um, once Joffrey pried it all from her fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, she makes it very clear that she doesn't like the new queen. Um, you know, she talked about uh, how Joffrey had some, it was like a little vest, and she she told the tailor, you know, make it into a dress for mm-hmm. her because it was more than enough fabric. Poking fun at the fact that she always shows her back and cleavage. Right. Um, Which are, a, besides Rachel, do we actually appreciate her cleavage? Uh, I'm an ass man. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm sitting there going, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, continue. Sorry. Lost your train of thought, didn't you? Um, so let's go ahead and move on to the exchange between Loris and, um, Jamie. Was that not fantastic? It really was. I mean... I I think... (laughs) It, it was one of those scenes where, uh, you know, Jamie really wanted the guy's head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brianne, you know, that, that whole thing, I mean, that bitch is huge. Uh, being, you know, in love with him. Do you think that that he is? That that she is. Well, in that particular scene, when Cersei says that to her, you know she. she oh kinda, God! It was right. It was as clear as the sky. I mean, yeah, she's in love with him. You know, she goes wide-eyed, and and then just says, you know, uh, see ya, and just kind of walks away. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she probably, Cersei probably hit the nail on the head. But see, it also placed her in Cersei's crosshairs, too, which is really, really bad. Unless, you know, unless Brienne has an opportunity to go. Don't we all agree that Brienne can handle herself? Oh, absolutely. But, you know, Cersei is not exactly a confrontational kind of person. She's more like a snake in the grass. Sneak up on your ass when you're least expecting it kind of person. Yeah, that's, that's true. You know, and Brienne is more a she has a she's a warrior. You know, she's about you know confronting what's in front of you. You know, I don't like you, and I'm not making any 
you know, bones about it. Well, what do you think about Cersei's uh, um, accusation that 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 Brienne tends to move her allegiances from one banner to the next? Oh, she was just doing that just to piss her off. But she was just she, but she is, but she is, but but she's not wrong though. No, she's not. Yes, she is. I mean, Brienne set her straight. She said, "I don't serve him." Uh, but she did go from. I think she was. I think she was. I think she's like when in Rome. Okay. You know, I, I think it was. I think for her, it's more a matter of this is she respects authority because she's a warrior. So whoever is in authority she needs a commander. Yes. yes. And who is whoever's in authority, she pays allegiance to them as a person in authority. However, she would never just blindly follow anybody. But yeah, she's just doing Jamie, what a soldier does. That's the Jamie person that's had in power. to actually earn her her respect. Oh, no doubt. No, <laughs> no doubt. And, and, plus, and he could Jamie also lose to, it very easily. Plus Jamie got to see her her six foot three boobies too, so Yes he did. Back to the babies again, are we, Mark? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> let's move on to the scene between Ty- to uh, Tywin and Cersei with o- with Oberyn and Alaria. And we find that Oberyn's pretty much going to say, I'm about to raise some hail. And Cersei pretty much mocks Alaria for being a sand, which is the, you know, southern version of a snow um and i know and he says that dorn they actually love their bastards unlike you people do um so do do we think that oberon is about to raise all kind of hell because he did make an open veil threat to cersei when he said well aren't you lucky that your children were sent away Right. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think that's probably what's going to happen is Dorn will attack Thieves Landing. I don't think they want the throne. I think they just want the Lannisters dead. Right. There's a lot of people that want the Lannisters dead. You know, they, they'll come in and just raid the place, rape and pillage, murder everyone in the city, and then go home. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Rachel? Well, I hadn't really thought that far ahead, you know, as far as that goes. I was just... What I liked about the whole um, confrontation between them was that they were saying, hey, um, what you guys think suck and is a disgrace, we embrace. And they made no bones about it and they were not ashamed of it. I thought they had very quiet strength about them, which tells me that, yeah, something's going to go down with them. You know, they're they're not going to, I mean, they were just, bite, they're biding their time. Well, um, I think that that open field, you know, threat kind of leads credence to what happens next. Um, Joffrey, again, grows bored, so he brings out his own form of entertainment when he says that a royal wedding is not an amusement. It's a time for us to contemplate our history. And then suddenly, a troop of dwarves come to reenact the War of the Five Kings, which he finds hilarious, and he's openly 
mocking Tyrion. And um, when the Joffrey version of the dwarf wins, um, uh, Joffrey turns to Tyrion and says, well, why don't you go down there and battle the evictor? And, uh, oh, and also there was a dwarf with a wolf's head that was knocked off. And again, we see Sansa, who is just fuming, like there's nothing. I mean, she's just about to go postal on whoever is, is around her. Yeah, what see, do we I think about this whole dwarf scene? I, I don't think she was fuming. I think she's still neck deep in sorrow. I think when she starts fuming, that's when we're going to see some blood flying. I don't think she's got to that point yet. I think she's still the victim and very much in pain over what's happened and very much keeping her mouth shut to keep her ass alive. But she also feels very trapped and very helpless. I don't think she was mad, but I think we're going to see her get mad. Because I think that's what most people will do. What about you, Dwayne? Do you think that she was mad or she was just still, still in shock? I think that it was probably a mixture of sadness and anger. Um, because there was obviously pain in that look. Um, she was very much angry at, jo- at uh, Joffrey for mm-hmm. taking her father's head because she nearly pushed him off that ledge. Um, so everything that's happened to her, I think has made her really, really angry about it all. And her sorrow comes from the fact that she feels helpless to do anything about it. Well, what do you think about, I mean, I got the feeling that during the whole dwarf scene and the scene between Joffrey and Tyrion where they were sparring back back and forth and Joffrey was just openly mocking and be a little a Tyrion that she looked like she felt uncomfortable and I, 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 I actually felt pity towards a Tyrion. Do you think that she's starting to warm up to him or do you think that that was just a very un, uncomfortable scene all together? Yeah, I, I think, you know, pretty much everyone, like when the camera panned around it showed uh Littlefoot and the the eunuch and you know all these people that they and they're they have this really uncomfortable look on their face like mm-hmm. what is going on um I think that uh hmm you know it all it all seems you know, everyone in the crowd is looking on and thinking something big is about to happen. Yes. And, but nobody's quite sure what it is. Well, now, we do see Tyrion openly, you know, challenge and stand up to a, a, a Joffrey, but he does it in a way where he's like, he you can tell that he's just smarter than a Joffrey and that he's very sly about it, but it's pretty obvious what he's do, no, doing, but he's just skirting the edge of 
you know, okay, I will be respectful, but I'm not going to be at the at the same time. Right. Um, which just angers Joffrey more because he cannot outwit Tyrion. Yeah, he, he, Tyrion basically what he did was just he, he was like, okay, I draw the line at kneeling. I'm not kneeling before you're sorry. Fuck. That was a great scene too. I man. mean, I am not kneeling. But, you know, but. You know, everything else that Joffrey asked for, he did, but he was not going to kneel. And I was like, because I thought, honestly, as um, as the peacekeeper mm-hmm. that he has been, I thought for a minute he might. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. So I was very proud of him that he didn't kneel. I really. just loved the look on his face when he was just being defiant, like, I'm not going to kneel, you son bitch. Yeah. That that was a that was a great scene, just that look on his face of, mm-hmm. no, you you can go eat shit. Yeah, because you are you in get. you are an inbred bastard. Exactly. Well, when several times before, I mean during the scene, you know Tyrion has to deal with Joffrey's goblet, which is dropped and kicked around. And Sansa handles it, Um, Tyrion does, and Tyrion finally is giving wine to uh, Joffrey, which he does drink at this time. And then more of the bullshit ensues, and Marjorie, who is trying to keep the peace, brings out the pie, which is a big-ass pie. I mean, it's a... Damn, the thing's huge. Yeah, it was. And Joffrey's sitting there eating the pie. Tyrion tries to leave, and he goes, No, you will stay, and you will bring me more wine, which he does. And he's drinking, and he's eating pie. And at this point, Joffrey starts to cough. He starts to choke. Which is when the whole room here erupted into, yeah! Yes. and we all knew that he was poisoned. It was wonderful. And during this this time, he's he's drinking more wine. So you don't really know if it's the wine or the pie. Because no one is eating the pie besides him. Because I, I did not see anybody else eat pie besides him. And then Marjorie goes, well, he's choking. And that's when you see the fool try to try to usher Sansa away. Okay. Then all hell breaks loose when Jamie and Cersei run over to, to a Joffrey and he is on the ground vomiting. She flips him over and see that Joffrey is purple, is clawing at a Tyrion like he's trying to point to him and then he dies. And then Cersei goes, uh, Tywin po- poisoned him, take him. What do we think happened here? Because there were so many plot twists that happened in a, just a few minutes span that no one is sure what the hell go- is you know, going on. Who actually did this? I could, think it has something to do with his new queen, really, honestly. Well, I believe it has something to do with his new queen. It could. That's it, my prediction. It could be her. It could be the queen's grandmother, the Queen of Thorns, because she, you know, pretty much said that, you know, the the Iron Bank will want us due. Then you got Oberyn, who made an open threat towards Cersei's ch- uh, children. You got Tyrion, who 
you know, he's not he's not above the poisoning pe- 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 people, but he also made um, when you know he found out that uh, that else, that the king of the hand before um, Ned was there that that he was a you no know, a poison that he's very opposed to that. You know, you have Sansa, who has every reason to a poisoner, and then you got the the fool, the uh, the adjuster, who's trying to get her out out of there. What the hell's going on? That's Do what we, makes the story storyline so interesting. Yeah, is that we don't know exactly what's going on, but one thing we know for sure, I think, is that Tyrion did not do it. Because he was not expecting for the king to demand that he be his cupbearer all of a sudden. Yeah. In an effort to humiliate him. I, that's why I say it's the, it's the new queen or her family. That's what I think. What do you think, Dwayne? Um, I think <clears throat> it probably, it could have been the, uh, the Dornish guy just to throw the whole kingdom into disarray. Mm-hmm. And then that's when it's time to attack. When nobody else knows, you know, what the hell's going on. And then... Here comes you know, the troops. Exactly. That's a very... And plus, he also, he's also keeping his word by killing one of Cersei's kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh, that's think... That's a very good... That's a very good point, Dwayne. Very mm-hmm. good point. Now, we also cannot... Leave out the queen of the queen of thrones because just moments before then, when she was talking to Sansa, she was like, "I think it's bad form to kill a man at his own a wedding." And then suddenly, Joffrey's dead at his own a wedding. Yeah, I, lo- I love that scene. <laughs> <clears throat> I hope that son of a bitch was a virgin too when he died. Asshole should never know what sex feels like. He's a boy. I'm so glad he's dead. Sorry, that's my two cents. But we are all pretty pretty much happy that Joffrey's dead, but we all uh, agree that Tyrion's fucked. Because no one is, is going to believe that he did that he didn't do it because of what was going on. Oh hell. Alright, so do we think that we are all in agreement that Tyrion is going to have a hard time for the remainder of the season. Yeah, that's that's pretty much a given, especially since, you know, if Cersei thinks that, you know, Tyrion poisoned Joffrey, mm-hmm. then, which leads me to believe that we'll see something more of uh, the horror whatever her name is. Because, oh, Shay? Yeah. Because Cersei's going to be looking for payback. Oh, yeah. And that's uh, that's going to be brutal at one point. At some point, it, it, it's going to be rough. Well, I have a question, okay? And maybe Dwayne would probably be better at, at answering this because I am completely unsure with Joffrey dead, who is the king, who steps in? Is it Tywin because he's a hand of the king? Or, I mean, because they, Joffrey hasn't had time to have an heir yet, so who steps in? Is it one of his brothers? 
it would it would be the the acting queen, and now, that is Marjorie. Right. And if she somehow, you know, ceases to be in the picture, then it goes right back to Cersei, and she becomes queen regent. And whoever she marries will be king. Well, that's interesting. So for right now, this is just what we're going on. That right now. Marjorie is the head bitch in charge. Basically, for right now, yeah. So how is so? How do you think that this is going to play out? Because um, she seems to be very compassionate, but you also see a Queen of Thorns in her too, and she and she was also openly disliking Joffrey. Um. Yeah, especially you think that last right here, episode. Yeah. You saw her, you know, what, what was she said? Something about him killing some kind of small animal, killing sparrows yeah, or something. that they were looking at a necklaces, and she says, well, why don't she let Joffrey pick, pick hers out? Because because she would give him a necklace full of you know, uh, pigeon heads or something. It was sparrow heads. Sparrow heads, yes. Um, do do you think that this is going to be a? I mean that this is. I mean, do, this is going to be a major thing that she's in charge, because Cersei is not going to like this. That's why I said that she, that the queen, okay, the new queen, mm-hmm. Marjorie, or her grandmother, was responsible for poisoning Joffrey. Because they knew what they were getting into, and they were doing it to gain power. Okay? okay? That's why I said that they were responsible for poisoning the wine. So, and I think, honestly, that Marjorie can totally handle herself. I mean, she was trying to manipulate Joffrey, but it's not the easiest thing on the planet to manipulate because he was just such an ass. But that's why I said what I said. Well, I think that eventually, I, I think that next episode, we will find out who who poisoned him. But... What I would love to see is that they just draw this storyline out for about up until, you know, season nine where they have another big event because, I mean, that's what episode nine is for. And I find it strange that we have the purple uh, wedding in episode two and not nine, but I guess that's something big is going to something bigger is going to happen then. But I would love to see this mystery, you know, they, they, the developers of the show, the creators of the show, did come out and say, you know, how poignant episode nine was to every season. They said every episode is going to be an episode nine. Nearly, you know, wow. so there's going to be lots of events happen. That is going to be, this is going to, I'm, I For this would... season, that's what they were talking about, just for this season? Yes, yes. This this season is supposed to be all episode nines, basically. Well, if that's the case, then season five is going to have a hard time matching up. Yeah, it's you know, books four and five run concurrent to book three. They take place almost the exact same time frame. Wow. So that's that's going to be interesting to see, you know, what, hey, there's, you know, all the things that we've already seen, 
now let's see, you know, what everyone else is experiencing during this same time period. Wow. See, that is a, that's something, that's a good piece of information then because that, that means that with each episode, things are going to escalate one after another. Um, well, before we end this podcast, in the previous two um, episodes that me and Rachel have recorded, I have thrown oh, out this. Oh, Mark. Yes. Mark, let me interrupt for just a minute. Yes. Trending on Facebook is this whole thing Vanity Fair is doing Game of Thrones, comma, season four, comma, episode two recap. Joffrey's wedding turns ugly. That's trending on Facebook, which is a lot of people's reading this article. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that just tells you how big in today's, you know, pop culture this show is. Oh, yeah, and it's like the subtitle is, the HBO series reminds viewers yet again that no character is safe from George R.R. R. Martin's imagination. Anyway, George, I just I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> it makes you wonder just how much Martin is worth. Um, yeah. I just anyway, hope... I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry yes. to interrupt y'all. I just, I just wanted to bring that to your attention because if it's trending on Facebook, it's a big deal. You know what I mean? Well, um, yeah, that's a great little fact there too. So, um, but in the previous... Very pervasive show. Yeah. Just about everybody knows about it. And if they don't, they're not really human. Well, it's actually, to me, it's the most shocking show that I have seen because... They, these people know how to shock you, man. Right. Especially the people that never read the books and they don't know that, hey, the, here's the main character and we'll kill three of them every season. And it's well, totally normal. Even those who have read the book, you know, during the, in the red wedding scene, you know, in the book, Rob's wife was not killed. So I mean, they tend to shock everybody. They're, I mean, he, he, I mean, the once you were in the book, they were like, "Holy shit!" You know, she, she just got a prison shanked, and she wasn't, and she wasn't supposed to. Yeah. So. Um. What I can't but, wait to see is the person who survived the red wedding coming back. Oh, you're talking about uh, Blackfish? No. Oh, the yes. one, the thing that me and you talked about the other day that we don't want to tell people because that's a major fucking spoiler. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We will just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um. But yes, that is huge. Um. I can't, I can't wait to see the look on people's faces when they go, "What?" Yeah, that would be, I can, yeah, I I want everybody that we know to be here so that I can go, <laughs> mm-hmm. We need videotape, and we might even want to consider doing a contest among, among our listeners if they will videotape themselves watching the show and their reaction. Oh, well, and would, we'll, we'll talk about this. I think that what, I think really that what we need to do is to do a live cast during that show. That's not a bad idea, but I still am very interested in seeing the viewers 
and their whole Game of Thrones parties, their reactions to it. I would love to see that. Hell really. Yeah. Well, um, like I said, be, before we end the show, I want to put out a theory that I have. And with, with you know, Dwayne here, I want to see what he thinks about it. Because he's our resident Game of Thrones e expert, even though he has not read the books. None of us have. And um, we're going to try to remain virginal, except for Dwayne, who's a avid, i got to figure everything out. Um, I have this theory about Jon Snow. Because for the, for the life of me, I cannot figure out his purpose in this show. Um, but I think that Jon Snow, in the, maybe not this season, maybe next se season, but eventually, it's going to come out that he was not Ned Stark's son. I think that it's going to that that I I do believe that he's a Stark because Ned Stark did say at one point there is Stark blood in you, and that when he returns and in the first season that they will talk about his mother. Right. I don't think that I don't think that she was just some common whore. I think that this is what I think. Okay, I think that his mother is Ned Stark's sister. Yes. And maybe that he that his father is one of two people. Either his father is Robert Baratheon because after all he was in love with with Ned's sister. But we learned last episode because his um uh his sister was being held in Dorne for a while. Ned's sister was. Um, because of the previous, no, the previous king left uh, Oberyn's sister for Ned's sister. Am I correct? Yeah. But you also have to uh, think about the fact that Jon Snow is black hair, Blue eyes. Yeah. That's a Baratheon if, you know, if I've ever seen one. That's true. But I think that um, either Oberyn's, that he, that he is in a Doran with Ned's mom or a Baratheon with Ned's, with Ned's a sister. Um, and I think that his sister got him to agree to raise him as his own because she knows that Ned is a very honorable person and would and would never give up her secret because she did die right um yes, maybe she, she did it on her dead. yes maybe she did it on her deathbed who 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 knows what do you think about my theory i think it's a good one because the show has very much been about the father is the one that determines the the you know the child's hair color. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the Lannisters, and you know when Ned figured out that Joffrey was, uh, you know, an inbred little bastard. Uh -huh. He figured that out. He figured it out by reading through, you know, the the Baratheon lineage. Right. 
figuring out, hey, he's got blonde hair, not black. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a good theory because it would also explain, you know, the uh, that whole mindset of if your father's good at it, you're good at it. Right. And, you know, Baratheon was a warrior. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And it seems like um, John is a natural, a, a natural uh, swordsman, too. Yeah. He killed that Knight's Watch guy like it wasn't nothing. Right. Now, Very I also, experienced warrior. I developed another theory just tonight that that involves Bran. I think that, I think that the Stark folk are going to be, you know, that they're going to make a roaring comeback. Bran is a warg, true? Right. And he seems to be unlike any other warg in history, from what we can tell, true? Yes. Because he can control people. Well, he what, can at least control simpletons. Right. What if Bran and all of his warginess, do you think that he can do the same thing with a dragon? That's a very interesting thought because he did see, it seemed like everything that he saw except for that scene with the, the flying thing, the flying mm-hmm. shadow, whatever it was, happened either directly to him or something that he had experienced either in a dream or in reality. Because could you say that he was looking down at the city? Yes. And seeing his own shadow. Right. Or the creature's own shadow. Right. I don't know. I just think that there's some interesting, you know, stuff about to uh, to happen. And I would like to see Bran play a bigger part because you kind of feel sorry for the kid because of how he got screwed. Yeah. He's kind of got thrown out of his own kingdom. Yeah. Um, so we'll just, you know, we'll keep a ear out to the show and, the, and probably discuss this more some next week, but I think that we are running out of time. Um, I would like to take this time to do a little bit of, you know, pimping. Um, as you know, we don't have any ads on our website. And in the previous few shows, we did talk about um, an Amazon uh, affiliate, but we have decided that we're going to forego ads for, for any of our shows. And what we have done is that we have um, partnered with Patreon, which you can go to our website, ScreechingDog.com, as Rachel is coughing up a lung in there. Um, and you just click on the Support Us link, and you'll find a link to our Patreon page, and you'll find exactly what Patreon is. Patreon is a crowdfunding source that is it's similar to Kickstarter, but it's not. With you know, Kickstarter... You can support a project by giving a you know large one-time fee. With Patreon, you can actually give a smaller monthly reoccurring fee of like one dollar or five bucks or what or or whatever. You do not have to you no know, no pledge you know uh, donate because 
we are always going to be doing these shows, and they are always going to to be free. But if you just happen to enjoy it, and you want to help pay for the bandwidth and you know better e equipment, you can just pledge a buck or five bucks or ten bucks or whatever. We we do have different uh, uh, levels of uh, of uh, pledges, and with each a uh, level, you get a little something you know a bonus. Um, and just, you know, go to our website and click on the link and go to it and you'll see that we have goals that we want to meet. And our first goal is to keep these shows ad, ad, ad free because we are paying for this out of our own pockets. Um, and we would like to keep it ad ad free but no we do have goals and then we and then you can see our levels of, of you know of pledges for you know like a buck five bucks 15 bucks a a month it's not a a a whole lot and you actually get something in return for it um so that's just that is our way of trying to help fund these this this entire uh, network. It's not just for one show; it's for the entire uh, network. Um, now that we got that out of the way, so we all agree that this that this year was a great was a great show, right? Very much so. Rachel. Oh, you know I love being here every so, night. Yes, it's great. Do you, do you do you still have your lung? <laughs> sorry, guys. No, it's fine. it's fine. Again, we need those um, microphones. So sorry. Yeah, we need something. <laughs> but sorry. um, and we cannot wait until it's next week. It's the pollen week. in the south that's killing me. Um, so with that being said, we'll go ahead and close and close and close out the show. Make sure that you. Check out our other shows, which we have for the we just we just did a great show on Movie Central for the uh, King speech. That was a very good show that we did, and we me and Alex launched a, a new show yesterday. Just go there and check it out. And we have Rachel, who in the next week or two will be launching her own show about marketing help for small. Uh, uh, businesses and in the next week we'll be doing a season a season recap of the first three seasons of fall falling skies in preparation for season four which starts in late june um and make sure you go to our website for any upcoming news check out our patreon page because if you donate then you then you get access to uh, news that it will not be available to the ordinary viewer about various upcoming projects and how we actually re record these shows. It'll be just be a, a lot, a lot of fun. Um, so for Dwayne and and Rachel, um, we hope we hope to hear from you um, through our website e email. Um, so let's just say bye bye everybody. Thanks for joining, guys. Love you all. See you next time. Absolutely. Bye-bye.